The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, everybody. That's right. Back-to-back days with Ryan Wilson and Josh Edwards and John Breach and no Will Brinson, who remains on vacation. As far as we know, he's not answering our texts. Uh, he very well could be outside the country at this point. But it is going to be me, John Breach, and Josh Edwards talking about AFC North offseason needs because we are each AFC homers, AFC North homers, excuse me. Uh, Breach obviously has tied his wagon to the Bengals, and they continue their plummet over the cliff. Josh is having a bounce-back campaign. Uh, we talked about this yesterday in the podcast that you probably listened to already, Breach, uh, where the I congratulated him for back-to-back wins over the Steelers, and my Steelers have a lot of questions to answer with uh, the old Big Ben situation. Uh, Johnny, how are you doing? Uh, well, we could turn this into talking about dirty diapers because who was also a new dad on the podcast? Josh. God, Ryan, I can't believe you're just burying the lead here. We're living with babies during a pandemic. You want to talk about the AFC North? I bet Josh wants to talk about diaper changing techniques with me. Wouldn't, would you prefer that, Josh? You know, I do have a lot more information and uh, <laughs> more of a perspective on that topic than I would have had a couple of months ago. But, uh, you know, I need a little bit of a break from, from all the diaper changing. We'll actually talk some football today. <laughs> There. Yeah, and clearly you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, which is in the feed, Mock Draft Monday 2.0, Breach, because that's one of the first things we talked about, how Josh is a months-old father. You are nearing – you're nearing year one, Breach, right? You're What, what is it, about 11 months old? Uh, she turns one year on April 7th. Nice. And then I don't have a baby anymore, and then I can't even, like, talk to Josh about it because we're not in the same part of life. So one year, that's – it depends, like, right around – 10, 11, 12, 13 months. Is she walking yet? Uh, she like has this thing she pushes around, you know, like, uh, the, the old woman cart, the old person cart. The walker. The, yeah, a yeah. walker. Yeah. She has a walker. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone, you, people use walkers, but I have, I have one. I know what it's called. It works <laughs> she, out perfectly because you're always going to be in that next stage of raising a kid that I can always come to you for advice. So it actually works whoa, out whoa. perfectly for I, me. I can mail you all the hand me downs too. We don't, they're filling up the house. We do not need them here. Uh, uh, it's worth pointing out, Josh, that uh, Breach is the middle of seven kids. Is that right, Breach? Six. Six. Ryan. So you, you've seen plenty with your older siblings or your siblings who have kids. I wouldn't come to Breach for parenting advice. That's just me. But, uh, you know, you do what you will. I do everything on the fly. But you know what? I'll do the segue <laughs> here, Ryan, because we're talking about babies. You know who the baby of the AFC North is? The Cincinnati Bengals. Well, let me – uh there segue you your segue because you forgot the Paramount Plus read. Don't oh, I, I don't read. I don't read the rundowns. I'm not. But you probably seen the journey breach to Mount Paramount. With spots featuring Bill Cower, my Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead. It's quite a squad. Or if you're Bre- uh, Brenton, James Corbin. Is that what he called him? <laughs> James Corden, Brenton, Corden. Uh, but Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, and new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. 
Well, get this, Breach. It's where you can dive into live sports. That's us, CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, Champions League, soccer. Plus, you can stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central. Live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus streaming March 4th. Look for that. Now you can make your segue, Breach. Uh, well, now I'm going to segue to the fact that I spent my whole entire Sunday watching Paramount Network. I got sucked into the Indiana Jones movies, and that's another story. We, we just talked about babies. We don't need to go to Indiana Jones. Uh, but the Bengals are the baby of the AFC North. Why are they the baby of the AFC North? Because when you think of a baby, you think of a, a you know a, a tiny little human who just can't do anything right because they don't know any better. That feels like the Bengals, right? So they've been perpetually babies for the last 25 years is what you're saying? I mean, well, I mean, the Browns were for the past 18 until this year. Let's not I was gonna say, go that to, far, Ryan. To quote Trent, Trent Walker and Swingers, the Browns are all grown up. Like they finally turned the corner. <laughs> Baker Mayfield grown. Have you ever seen Swingers, Josh? You know, I think I, I think I actually have. It's yeah, been yeah. a long time, so I, don't, so I don't remember too many specifics about it. But I think that's <laughs> that's one of the movies that I actually did see. I don't even know if you would like it. It came out in '96, and that was right in my wheelhouse. We used to watch it all the time. Did you? You've seen it, certainly, Breach. I have. Yeah, all okay. the beautiful babies have seen it, Ryan. That's right. Yeah. So the Browns are all grown up. We'll start with the Bengals. Uh, are you looking at the rundown, Breach? I am I now. Oh, I didn't want you to. Because I, uh, I wanted you to guess the Bengals Super Bowl odds. I, I actually knew the Super Bowl odds. If you'd have asked me, and I was not looking because I was looking at them yesterday. Because uh, I was thinking, why don't I just put ten dollars on a bunch of low ones, starting with the Bengals? But then I didn't do it. Is a hundred to one sound too good to be true, or is it uh, just wasting your money? I mean, whenever you're talking about. Putting money on a team that's never won a Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl, I would say it's closer to wasting your money than too good to be true. All right. I think we're finally on the same page with that. So, Josh, they have uh, their first three picks. The Bengals are number five, number 38, number 69. We talked a little bit about it on Sunday's podcast. Uh, Panay Sewell is obviously in need. Um, who do you have – who who would you like them taking number five, and who do you have them taking in your latest mock draft that comes out this week? So this week I'll probably swing back and give him Penesol, the offensive tackle from Oregon, because at the end of the day, like that's, that's your primary objective. You have to protect Joe Burrow because if you can minimally do that, then that's going to give you a chance to succeed at the next level with Tyler Boyd, with T Higgins, who had a great season, hopefully a healthy Joe Mixon back. Selfishly, I would like to see them get a guy like Kyle Pitts, the pass catcher from Florida, or maybe even a Jamar Chase, who Burrow is obviously familiar with from his days in Baton Rouge. I think that would be exciting, but you know, you got to find a way to improve the offensive line somewhere else if you do go that route. Rach, would you rather have the best offensive tackle, the best wide receiver, or the best tight end at number five? Uh, the best offensive tackle. I think that is Look, we all saw what happened to Joe Burrow. He got thrown there. He got destroyed. Uh, you wouldn't think this is literally like you get sent into a gunfight and you have like a foil wrapper from a Reese's peanut butter cup. Like you have nothing. You, there's no way you're going to win. You're just being sent out there to get destroyed. That's what happened to Joe Burrow. And the only way this team is going to get better is if he gets protection. So that's where I'm starting. No matter whether we're talking free agency or the draft, uh, my first target is getting more protection there for Burrow. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot, Josh. Picks 38 and pick 69. Let's say that Panay Sewell goes five. Who are you targeting in that area if you're 
if you're John Breach and the Bengals? Good question. Let's say, like you said, they take Sewell. We swing back around in the second round. Maybe we get a guy like Elijah Moore, uh, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, a guy that's got a lot of speed. Um, he's going to be able to get the ball in space, make some plays for Joe Burrow in that Cincinnati offense. Um, you know, maybe you take tight end Pat Fryermuth from mm. uh, from Penn State. Maybe you take Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Like, you've got some options to get some pass catchers there in the second round if you do want to go offensive tackle in the first round. And we've seen a lot of the value at the tight end and the wide receiver position come outside of the first round. So you're able to get some quality players as the Bengals did with T Higgins a year ago, follow the same path, follow the same model and get a guy like Elijah Moore there to, uh, to get you some speed on the offense. Yeah. Elijah Moore is a fun, a fun player for sure. So breach, you're the salary cap bro, as I like to call you 45 million dollars in salary cap space, fifth in the NFL. Uh, would you rather target some of these pending uh, wide receiver free agents? Uh, or would you uh, just assume I assume rather get them through the draft because there are going to be some some wide receivers that are going to be available, and I'm, I'm guessing you're okay um, giving AJ Green his his watch and sending him on his way. Yeah, buy AJ Green. We don't need him back. I, you know, like I was fine with the fact that they franchise tagged him uh, for this year. I thought he's been there so long. You can see if he still has anything left in the tank. Uh, he's not going to be able. He doesn't have the talent for what money he's going to ask for, especially from the Bengals. So yes, buy AJ. Have fun with your other team. I hope you eventually win a Super Bowl, but unfortunately it's not going to be in Cincinnati. Uh, but again, if I take my money, if I'm looking at my cap space, offensive tackles, offensive line, offensive anything is what I'm going after. And, and you know, I know we keep talking about Panay Sewell uh, as, uh, as, as the guy they obviously should target. If he's there, that's who you draft at number five. But it's going to be interesting because this is the year where there are a lot of offensive tackles, good offensive tackles, are going to be available in free agency. I mean, we're talking uh, Trent Williams from the 49ers, Daryl Williams, uh, the, the Steelers guy, Jason Peter. You like you- you don't want him though. You don't want this. He's 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 AJ Green, the love tackles right now. But but they're they're an upgrade from Bobby Hart. You know, like. Well, let me ask you this though. So, so would you rather take a Patay Sewell and have him for five years on a quote unquote reasonable deal, or pay Trent Williams or Taylor Moten or Russell Okung or Daryl Williams a lot more money? I, I mean, one hundred percent rather have Panay Sewell, but there's no guarantee you're getting him at number five. So by not yeah, filling in, if you go through free agency. And you say, you know what? We're not going to worry about tackle because we're going to uh, keep our eye on this guy in the draft. And then he doesn't fall to you. Uh, then guess what? You're on plan B and the Bengals don't do good with plan B. They barely do good with plan A. So I don't trust them with plan B. Um, but then also I don't have any problem if they go out and sign receivers. I'd actually love to see them do that. I don't think you need to go after any uh, big name of the top tier receivers or Allen Robinsons or Chris Godwins. But if they want to go over. Uh, go after someone a little bit further down that list. I wouldn't hate if they brought Marvin Jones back. He had love, a successful start to his career in Cincinnati. I don't think he'd be against returning if he thought the Bengals uh, had a roster that could compete in the AFC North. I don't if if he thinks they're going to go five and eleven, he's not going to even think about coming back. He'll go to a team that's actually going to be good. Uh, but you know, if they want to bring back somebody, our our boy Will Fuller Ryan, if he ended yeah. up in Cincinnati, I wouldn't mind. Uh, but I don't think you go after the top tier guys. You look at that that second tier. Yeah, I like I like um, Marvin Jones a lot. I used to be so angry with him; he was so good. Um, so I'll ask you this specifically, then I'll ask Josh about some of these free agents. Where are you on the scale of bringing back uh, one of the most important free agents, probably in NFL history, Randy Bullock? 
I think I think you can let. I'm I'm sad Brenton's not here because he would have played that clip. This is the only time we need Brenton to hit the button, and he's not here. How could he skip this episode? The one episode where he could have literally played the button for ten straight minutes, and nobody would have said a thing. Um, you know, actually, I would let Randy Bullock walk, and not because he missed that against the Chargers or he missed that game winner against the Texans a couple of years ago, where he seems to miss every clutch kick that comes out. I mean, he's accurate. But he just seems to miss a lot of the big ones, which you don't want. And you know what? There's a lot of free agent kickers this year uh, who are interesting that that I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals, they don't need to bring back Randy Bullock because of the options out there. Matt Prater might be out there. Steven Goskowski might be out there. Uh, Ryan Suckup just won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers might be out there. Young Way Q had a huge year with the Falcons. He might be out there. I mean, all these guys could get re-signed in the next couple of weeks. I don't think many of them will. Uh, because teams just don't care about resigning their kickers. Joey Sly could be out there. So there's a lot of options that are better than Randy Bullock. So if I'm the Bengals, uh, I'm just going to wait it out. So, uh, Josh, the top free agents that the uh, Bengals have, and Debo has a nice little list for us, I would say William Green, uh, William Jackson's up there. But for me, I think Carl Lawson might be the most important person to get back. What are your thoughts? No, I absolutely agree because, I mean, you could possibly target an edge rusher in the draft, but I think where they are picking – it makes sense to take one of those pass catchers or one of the offensive tackles. So uh, free agency in the drafts have to work hand in hand. You're trying to fill these needs. So if you're not able to fill it in the draft, you're going to have to fill it in free agency. By re-signing Carl Lawson, you don't have that issue because he did have a good year. Um, you bring him back to that defense, hope those linebackers continue to develop, and then you've got something on defense. You continue to surround them with, with other competent pieces on that side of the ball. Back to Breach's point about the offensive line and free agency, you're also looking at Brandon Sheriff and Joe Tooney possibly being free agents as well. So there is an opportunity for Cincinnati to not only upgrade the offensive line, but significantly upgrade the offensive line if they decide to open up the pocketbook. Yeah, so, I mean, you have Jonah Williams. You could have a Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, whomever. You could sign a Joe Tooney. And now you're, you're cooking with gas. You're, you're on to something there. So one last thing, and then we'll move on to the to the better of the teams in Ohio. Uh so, Breach, two players, sorry, positions, you can name names if you want, but two positions that you want absolutely taken care of in free agency with all the free agent money that the, the Bengals have floating around. I would say, again, the offensive line. Here's one more thing I will say about that is because the Bengals have so much money, and uh, Josh, you just mentioned two potential high-priced free agent guards, that you're not going to be getting in bidding wars with people because not everyone has the money to be bringing these guys in. If they have a high asking price, there's only a handful of teams that are going to be able to afford those. The Bengals are one of them. So if you're the Bengals, you have to go out and make at least one splashy signing on the offensive line. Uh, so obviously, and I wouldn't hate if they went out and got a linebacker. Their defense is a train wreck. Um, they can figure out how to get William Jackson, Carl Lawson, both under contract. I think one of them will get franchise tagged. The other one, you know, you got to try to bring back and then do something about your linebackers. And so I, I think we'll see them sign a linebacker in free agency, and that's it. So you you got you help your defense, which was horrible, and then you beef up the offensive line because uh, the offense is pretty good. So as long as Joe Burrow has some time to throw, um, I mean, this was an offense that averaged nearly 30 points per game between week two and week eight, and that includes only scoring three points one week against the Ravens. So that's how kind of high power this offense was when it was at its peak with Joe Burrow, you give him time to throw, it's only going to get better. 
Yeah, and also worth noting, and we sort of forget about this thing as soon as it happens, but the uh, the Bengals had a really good draft class last year. Like, we know about Joe Burrow and T. Higgins played much better than I thought he would, and that's on me for listening to people that I shouldn't be listening to. Right. But they got Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither uh, in the third and fourth rounds, and those could be the linebackers that actually turned the corner in year two because those guys are both really athletic. They can both fly all over the field. And you're right, their defense sucked last year, but you would imagine that they're going to improve in year two. Uh, they drafted Khalid Krim out of Notre Dame, the, the edge rusher, so he can offer some help there. Um, any thoughts on those guys looking back now, Josh? I mean, I'll go back to the linebackers because I liked both of those guys quite a bit coming out in the draft. Um, Akeem Davis-Gaither, very athletic. He had the, I believe it was a knee injury um, that was kind of an issue, and that's why he fell in the draft. But typical sideline-to-sideline type linebacker, Logan Wilson, a little bit more of a thumper. So um, you're building a basketball team, and you get a couple of guys that are able to to fill a couple of very specific roles um, and I think I saw promising things from Logan Wilson, um, you know, as the season progressed. So if that continues to be the trend, um, you know, again, like Breach said, I would probably take a linebacker just, you know, for some insurance to throw into the competition. But I at least like what I have in that room in the, in the sense that I have a couple of guys that I can, I can develop if I choose to go that route. Yep, that's right. I agree with that. All right, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 11 to 1 to win the AFC. That 11 to 1 doesn't sound insanely crazy, Josh. How do you feel about that 11 to 1 to win the conference? Uh, I'm a bit uncomfortable as a Browns fan just um, <laughs> projecting any kind of optimism. It's it's something totally foreign to me. Um, you know, obviously with the way the season ended, they're going to be a trendy team coming into the next season. They've got a lot of assets to get better on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they've got a lot of cap space rolling over $30 million from this year. They've got, um, you know, an extra third-round pick this year, so they've got four picks in the in the, in the the uh, first two days of the draft. Lots of draft capital to get better, and, and um, you know, they've definitely got some areas of weakness on that, on the defensive side of the ball. So, Breach, you said you don't like throwing good money after bad in terms of betting on the Bengals. How do you feel about 11-1 to or 20-1 to for the, for the Browns? Ryan, I would bet on Annabelle to win the marathon – in the next Olympics before I'd put money on the Browns to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, all right. I didn't, well, you spent so much time passive-aggressively hating the Steelers. I didn't know that you had this much distaste for the Browns. Who you know you what? Won- it's, it's not distaste. I just It's like I said about the Bengals. I am never going to put my money on a team that's never won the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl because there's a reason they've never won a Super Bowl. It's usually because it's a dysfunctional franchise. Uh, and, yes, the Browns took a huge step in the right direction, but I don't think they've taken quite a big enough step to call them a Super Bowl contender. I won't be surprised if they're back in the playoffs, but I would be stunned beyond belief uh, if they were to somehow even get to the Super Bowl. Well, who is in a better shape in terms of moving in the right direction with ownership, uh, front office structure, coaching staff, the Bengals or the Browns? The I would Browns. say it's the, the Browns pretty, pretty substantially. I yeah. mean, um, you know, the bar was set pretty low with Freddie Kitchens. Great guy. <laughs> uh, not, not a very good coach as we found out. Um, quick turnaround in year one, but you know, with everything that we saw this year, it's, it's tough to lose sight of the fact that they were without their head coach um, for the most meaningful game of the year. And we were in a pandemic, which, you know, prevented a lot of this in-person, you know, contact period during the off season. They didn't get the extra week of in-person practice 
that first year head coaches are often afforded. So they had to adapt on the fly. They had to do things differently, differently than, um, you know, any, anything they've ever had to do in their coaching careers. And we're talking about a team that won a game in the playoffs. So, you know, with everything that was stacked against them this past year, you know, they were able to, to, to win a game in the playoffs, which is something they haven't done since the 1990s. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised. I mean, you, I, was oh, I agree with the state of breach. I, I agree with, oh, I started to say Browns, but then Josh finished my sentence for me. <laughs> I just did a slow hesitation so that he could finish it for me. Uh, no, I do agree. I don't think it's as far as Josh says it is only because I think the Bengals are better set at quarterback. Um, which I, I think is a huge key, obviously that. What is that? Ryan, give me the look. You think Baker Mayfield, you would take Baker Mayfield over Joe Burrow. No, I'm just trying to get you fired up. Okay. No. So I think they're better set at quarterback. The Browns have the better head coach. Cause for all we know, Zach Taylor is the Bengals version of Freddie kitchens. Uh, oh, so you're turning, turning on him. Are you? I am not turning on him. I'm, this is it. This is last. If he doesn't win at least seven games, I think seven? he has to go seven, seven wins. If he cannot get to, if he cannot get to single digit losses, uh, <laughs> you got to dump him. Debo, are you listening to this? Or are you doing other things? Is he is he recording it? You gonna put it on the? You got it. You got to fire him if he goes six and ten or worse. Um, you know, I feel like Debo should go back to over all the podcasts and just follow the progression of Breach slowly turning on Zach Taylor and get a soundbite of that because it would be glorious. I have not turned on. All I said <laughs> no, in him. December was that he was going to be back in year three, and I now I'm ready to turn on him. I gave him till year three. We're going into year three, and at, if he loses in week one, I'll be fully turned. I'm on the fence right now. I'm on the fence, guys. Well, let me ask you this, Breach. Uh, they, the Browns, I mean, they did a lot of damage after Odo Beckham got hurt. Would you try to trade Odo Beckham this offseason if you're the Browns? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can get rid of his cap hit, that's huge. Uh, your offense is functioning just fine without him. It's not like, look, having Odell Beckham on your team is a good thing. He's a weapon. He can help the offense. But now that you know your offense can function without him, if you're able to get compensation in return – uh, and, you know, dump that kind of salary. I don't think it is a horrible idea, Josh, but you are, you know, you pay attention to every single thing the Browns do. What do you think? I don't think that's as crazy as, as it sounds like, like you said, I mean, I wouldn't just cast OBJ aside simply because um, they had a little success without him because he is still a tremendous talent, but you know, they were able to find success without him. And I think that has a lot to do with the system. Um, going back to last offseason, I think I actually included the idea of possibly trading him before the season, you know, simply because he's got a huge salary cap hit. Um, you know, he hadn't lived up to what, w- what was expected of him the prior year. And if you're able to get a first round pick in return during a year where, you know, we've seen a lot of wide receivers come out in the draft. So if you're able to get 80% compensation or 80, 80% production, at roughly, you know, 10 to 20% of the cost. That's, that's pretty tough for an analytical minded Andrew Barry to overlook. I mean, there's an opportunity for you to possibly upgrade the rest of the roster if you didn't move on from him. But th- at the end of the day, I'm not moving on from him simply to move on from him. So I'm looking at uh, a list of their top free agents, and they don't have very much in the way of wide receivers, by the way. I mean, they have Jarvis Landry, but Rashard Higgins is going to be a free agent. Marvin Hall, who they got married through the season, is going to be a free agent. They have the their top three picks are picks 26, 59, and 90. Uh, one of the names on the free agent list uh, might as well be written written in bold letters and all red. Anderson Dayhoe. You rarely see Josh say angry things or mean things on Twitter, 
Uh, he ain't a huge Andrew Sandejo fan, and I can understand why. So, Josh, if you're picking at 26 and you're the Browns, are you more concerned about a defensive tackle that you might like being there, or are you just focused in on trying to get a safety? Well, edge rusher is going to be my top priority because you lose Olivier Vernon. Um, to get a quality guy opposite Miles Garrett, I think you could really take the defense to another level. The linebackers were a huge concern. Um, in the secondary, you get Grant Delpit back from injury, ideally, so that helps a little bit in that regard. I do think you, you know, continue to look at the free agent market to see if you can get a guy like Justin Simmons, um, if he were to able to escape Denver. Um, you know, you need cornerback help because Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward have been unable to stay healthy. There's a lot of directions that they could go on that side of the ball, but honestly, safety would probably be down the list a little bit before I got to it, even with the bad play that we saw from Andrew Sendejo last year. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so, Breach, if you're, like, as a Bengals fan, and we play this game sometimes, what is the thing you want to – the thing you least likely want to see that would encourage you the least? Well, how, how can I say this? I do not want to see the Browns sign J.J. Watt. Thank there you, you go. There is that you what go. you wanted to hear? That's, that's what you a, wanted to hear, Ryan, because I don't want to see it. Look, I know that we've <laughs> – there's – people talk about how J.J. Watt looked uh, maybe a little bit washed up last year, but, look, the, the defense was horrible. And I actually thought J.J. Watt played well last year, and if you put him – on a defense where, you know, he's being single teamed, you have Miles Garrett on the other side where the, the, the opposing offense isn't completely focused on what I think he can do some serious damage. And if you add that to the Browns pass rush, uh, man, that's scary. So I do not want to see the Browns sign JJ Watt, even though I think he would be a good signing and, and fit in well with them. Yeah, what do you think about that, Josh? Because I feel like J.J. Watt makes sense just about anywhere. The only issue is money. I think he can play another two or three years at a pretty high level. And also something that Breach didn't mention, he, he presumably won't hate the coaching staff where he's going to, which is something that he couldn't get away from the, at least the last year in Houston. What do you like? What do you think about the idea of J.J. Watt coming in opposite or perhaps next to at times Miles Garrett? It's easy to get on board with. I mean, he's <laughs> he's still playing at a high level. Um, you're not committing to him for several years, so – uh, to while you're while you feel like you're in the window to compete for potentially a Super Bowl, you get a guy like that to play opposite Miles Garrett. Yeah, it's pretty scary, and then it it frees you up to take another position in the first round if you choose to go that route. Um, so you're upgrading a couple of positions. You know, this is where, like I said before, you you free agency and the draft work hand in hand. So if you're able to get your guy in free agency, you know that frees you up to do other things in the draft. That's what they did last year. So. Uh, J.J. Watt would be a huge addition to what the Browns are trying to do on defense. Um, you know, they, they come from a background in San Francisco where they were able to just rotate edge rushers in and out of that system and continue to apply pressure. So if you get a guy like J.J. Watt to add to the rotation um, and be a high-end starter for them, I think that's going to help the defense immensely. I think – um, you know, they could they could really take a huge step forward under Joe Woods in his second season. So and, and I should, one oh, one thing real quick, Wilson, is that one thing interesting is you look at all the, the contenders, quote unquote, for JJ Watt right now. You talk about the Steelers, the Packers, the Bills, the Titans, and the Browns. And besides the Browns, those other four teams are all in the red right now. They're all in salary cap debt. And so they're going to have to figure out how to clear cap space. You know, there's a lot that has to happen before they can sign J.J. Watt. The Browns are the only team that are in a financial position to do it right now. So I think that gives them one advantage. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, Steelers have offered lifetime permanent brother sandwiches, so make it that way you will. Uh, you mentioned edge rusher as a potential draft need, Josh. 
Uh, give us a couple names that you the Browns could target at 26 or even in the second round at 59. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this yesterday as well. There's a very deep class of edge rushers. You, you kind of lack the blue chip players at the top, like the Boses, the Chase Youngs, uh, the Miles Garretts. Uh, but you do have several guys. You didn't, you, that, didn't mention, you didn't mention TJ Watt, but go ahead. TJ Watt, another fantastic example. I actually picked him as a value defensive player of the year candidate before this year. And I'll tell you right now, I was robbed. He deserved that <laughs> in the postseason awards, but that's a, that's a conversation for a different day. Um, we've got a lot of these players, you know, in the later first round, mid first round into, into day two that are very talented players, but they have some, some flaws that prevent them from being those blue chip players. So you look at Miami's Jalen Phillips, um, you know, you look at Georgia's Aziz Ojalari, you look at Texas's Joseph Osai, you look at Washington's Joe Tryon, uh, UAB's Jordan Smith. I mean, there are a lot of guys that could possibly go late day one into day two um, and have a huge upside. I mean, I could see Pro Bowl for just about any one of those guys in the future if they're able to get a few things corrected. So those are the names that I would look at if I were an, an edge, edge rusher needy team, not only just the Browns, but there's several in that late first round that need edge rushers, whether it's the Jets, uh, the Titans, you know, maybe the Buccaneers if they lose Shaquille Barrett. So there's a lot of teams in that late first round that need that position. And I think that's probably where we will see the run on the edge rushers. By the way, Breach, you didn't mention Cody Parkey, who was going to be a free agent from the Browns as a possible landing spot for the Bengals. So. I was going to, and then you brought that up and interrupted me. <laughs> we close with kickers. We don't open with kickers, Ryan. Gotcha. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the uh, two likely Super Bowl teams, the Ravens and the Steelers. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're back from break, uh, break. Breach giggled because I mentioned the Steelers as a possible Super Bowl team. Let's first talk about the Ravens. So the, the Browns are 11 to 1 to win the AFC. The Ravens are 6 to 1 and then 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That sounds a little, that sounds a little rich, Breach. It does. Look, you know what? The Ravens have some, a lot of questions they have to answer this offseason. Um, you know, obviously 
offensively you say, hey, maybe we need to get some receivers in here because, hey, our, our crazy rushing attack, that's working during the regular season, but teams are kind of figuring out in the postseason, and we're just getting shut down, and, and we can't win. And then defensively, you have some questions. You have to decide, uh, you know, Matthew Judon's the biggest one. It's do we franchise tag him? Do we resign him? Uh, what do we do? So uh, they definitely have some big questions. Yannick Ngakwe is also going to be a free agent. Um, so they, uh, the Ravens have a lot to figure out this offseason. So I think they're going to be one of the busier teams in the AFC North. So Josh, I don't know if you were aware in 1999 of the Browns leaving and what that meant and all that. Were you part of that whole? Well, they left in 95. So I wasn't as, I wasn't as, uh, you know, cognizant of that because right. I was only five years old at that point, but, um, uh, very aware of what it meant for them to come back in 1999. A lot of the hype that, um, you know, was surrounding that team. You take Tim Couch number one overall, mm. uh, you know, ex- you surround him with an expansion offensive line and that did not go well. And that probably set the course for, uh, what we've been talking about here recently. So. Uh, if you're asking if I still have a little animosity towards Baltimore, you would be absolutely correct. Okay, good. I, I was going to ask you, so are, does it frustrate you to see them having success, uh, at least prior to this year when the, when the Browns had typically struggled? You know, honestly, I would say I probably I probably have more of an issue with, with the ownership than I do the actual franchise. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, watching what they've been able to do is – you, you would have to be jealous if you're a Browns fan. I mean, you go to a couple of Super Bowls, you, you know, you win your share, um, and you're a competitive team year in and year out. This is a team that continues to make all the right decisions with, you know, their head coaches and their, their coaching staff in general, whereas Cleveland has gone the opposite direction. So yeah, you would absolutely feel jealous. But if you look at the current state of the roster, I would probably argue that Cleveland's in, in a better position right now because. Um, you know, the offense with Lamar Jackson, I think, has some legitimate concerns. You're in a position where you kind of have to commit to knowing that him being able to run the football is the only way that you're going to have success. And you have to build a team a little bit differently. You're not going to have that vertical attack um, consistently the way that, that other teams may. So you're going to have to build a little bit differently. Um, and I think the way that you construct the team is going to have to start this offseason. Well, that's the thing, Breach. How confident – are you that Lamar Jackson's going to continue to get better? Because we saw at times in 2020 where he struggled and there were a lot of questions and maybe that was COVID related and the season being played in a pandemic and games being moved. Uh, maybe it has less to do with Lamar, but I would imagine going into the off season, there's some concerns. Josh mentioned wide receiver. They have yet to really find one that could click with, with Lamar Jackson. So where are you at on that? I mean, where I am is that it seems like the Ravens have decided on their offensive identity and it is, uh, you know, running the ball 60% of the time. They, they regularly have led the NFL in rushing since Lamar became their starting quarterback. And, you know, if they want to think about throwing the ball, they've got to get Lamar Jackson some people to throw the ball to. And then I think maybe the Ravens are worrying a little bit that if they do bring in some new receivers, uh, or even new tight ends, cause you, Lamar Jackson had a great 2019. Uh, when he had more tight ends to throw to, that maybe the offense isn't going to click, then you wasted that money trying to turn it into more of a, a pass offense. But I, I think their identity is running the ball, and I'm not sure uh, that is ever going to get them to a Super Bowl. I mean, like, we've seen Lamar Jackson is a good quarterback. He was a great quarterback in 2019, uh, but I don't know that 2019 was sustainable. And, and so I think probably 2020 Lamar – is what we're going to see from Lamar, a, a good to great quarterback who, who just, 
if you're building an offense around him, it's not going to be enough to get you over the Super Bowl hump. So that's an interesting point because in the millions of mock drafts that I've done, and Josh has done just as many millions, I usually have either an edge rusher or a wide receiver going in the bottom of round one to, to Baltimore. But Josh, if I don't think you want to take a Kadarius Tony and match him up with a Hollywood Brown because in a lot of ways they're similar players. But do you want to take a Terrace Marshall who isn't quite proven but is a big target like Miles Boykin who hasn't really progressed? So what kind of wide receiver are you targeting at 27 that's going to give you Presumably the, the Chase Claypool effect that you were hoping to get when you drafted these other guys. Yeah, I'm sure you've had this this same issue working through your mock scenarios is, um, you know, you're stuck with putting one of those quicker slot type of receivers in that position. But, you know, like you said, they need size. And there aren't any wide receivers with size that I really feel comfortable putting in that position. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe you get an edge rusher. Maybe you address your offensive line and you swing back in the second round and get a guy like Ty- Tylen Wallace or Terrace Marshall if he's still on the board. Um, you know, some of those bigger physical receivers, you've got more options, I feel like, on day two than you would at, at uh, with their first round picks. So um, that's probably the route I would go. I, I'm curious to feel or to hear if you feel like Terrace Marshall or any of the other big receivers are are worthy of that selection. Yeah, I don't think I would take Terrace Marshall at the end of the first round. I think I like a lot of what he does, but it's hard to sort of suss out how much of that was him in 2019 because i mean you could watch him in 2020 but what you don't know what you're watching just because that offense was such a mess and he did some things but in 2019 with joe burrow like oh okay this guy's shining but he's also shining with justin jefferson and jamar chase so you would hope that you would actually play well but in terms of like those big targets like the because i think chase claypool would be exactly what they would want just a guy that can run really fast down the field and it's more polished than miles boykin who was also a Notre Dame guy, but I don't know, like, is Deami Brown that guy in round two or round three? Like, some people like Deami a lot more than I do. I don't love him. He's not that big. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, these are questions. Do you go with the Kenny Galladay? Now, Kenny Galladay makes some sense. They have 30 million in cap space. Is that a guy? Or maybe even a Marvin Jones. Like, Breach, what do you think about Galladay or Jones spending some money on those guys? I don't know if Alan Robinson makes sense just because he doesn't consistently create a lot of separation. Like, he's not a burner. Maybe he can find ways to get open in that offense, but I feel like a healthy Galladay or, or Marvin Jones or uh, who's the number one, uh, Chris Godwin. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, we talked about Marvin Jones with the Bengals. And, and if I'm the Ravens, I am a little hesitant to reach out to a Chris Godwin or a Kenny Galladay or a, one of those top tier guys. Cause what if they come in and just hate being a part of that offense? Cause right. if you're the Ravens and you're not willing to change your offensive identity and you go out and sign one of the best free agent wide receivers. And then, uh, you know, by week four, they're pouting cause they're only getting three targets a game. That's a problem. You know, you don't want to kill team chemistry by bringing in. Uh, one of the top tier guys. So I think again, you look for one of those guys that has enjoyed being a role player throughout his career and has been kind of a, a number two guy. Uh, maybe you can make Hollywood Brown that number one guy and bring in a Will Fuller or Marvin Jones. Oh, uh, Will Fuller's um, a good one. Yeah. And, and just try and, and kind of give Lamar Jackson another solid target. But I don't think you go for, you know, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, just because you don't want to risk that these guys get upset playing an offense and a run heavy offense. Yeah. What do you think about Will Fuller, Josh? I think it would be interesting, but honestly, I go back to, you know, preferring a guy like Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay that, you know, is going to be able to play a little bit more outside of their frame to make maybe some of those sporadic catches from Lamar Jackson. But I think Breach brings up a great point. Do you feel comfortable giving $18 million a year to, you know, a Kenny Galladay or an Allen Robinson or a Chris Godwin when your offense is grounded in the run game? I mean, Baltimore's got some serious soul searching over the next year, year and a half when it comes to 
Uh, actually, it, it starts this offseason, whether you want to give Lamar Jackson a contract extension or not. Um, you're going to have to make a decision on that. You're going to have to make a decision on how you want to build your offense, because I'm not sure that it makes a lot of sense to give high, con- you know, high figure contracts to a wide receiver when that's just not really who you are. Yeah. And then real quick, you look at the Ravens offense, their leading receiver. So let's see. Stefan Diggs led the NFL in receptions with 127. What do you think the leading Ravens receiver had as far as receptions? Was it even Hollywood Brown? Was it was Hollywood Brown or was it? Like- I just want you to guess the number. You don't have to guess the player. Receptions or targets? What'd you say? Receptions. Fifty. I'll say Gosh. thirty-eight. Okay, the leader had fifty-eight. So you guys were so pessimistic against the <laughs> Ravens' offense. But how do you think Allen Robinson's going to go in only getting uh, sixty catches on a season? Like he's he's not going to sign there just because he's going to look at these numbers and and like what? No, I'm not going there. That's insane. Chris Godwin too. If I want to get sixty receptions, I'll go play with three other receivers in Tampa Bay and win a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, where I, I, a place I'm already familiar with and don't have to learn a brand new offense. So I would be shocked if if one of these top receivers wanted to play in Baltimore. I do think that Allen Robinson might be more inclined to do it than. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin just won a Super Bowl. Alan Robinson has had people throwing him the ball that probably have no business throwing the ball overhand at all. So I think just the upgrade to winning football games. Alan Robinson had 151 targets last year. The highest number in Baltimore was 100. And then now you have to split Alan Robinson's in there, Yeah, but he had Mr. Trubisky and Nick Foles short-hopping him passes and airmailing him passes on 75% of those throws. It's going to get a lot better with Lamar? It'll get better. At least you'll win. That's true. I think that's the difference. That's fair. So, Josh, these top free agents that are staring down the barrel in, in Baltimore, I feel like Matt Judon is some guy you want to target, but maybe you feel differently in terms of where they want to spend their money. Well, Baltimore's identity on, um, you know, as a team really has been the defensive side of the ball, their aggressiveness, their ability to get after the passer. Um, so, I, you know, when I look at their free agents, I don't all, only see Matt Judon. I see Yannick Ngakwe, and I think, you know, if you were to lose both of those guys, that creates a huge hole. You've got to find a way to retain at least one of those guys um, to be able to, you know, keep your identity on that side of the ball. You know, that's that's going to be a big problem. Talk about the edge rushers at the end of the first round. That's why I think maybe they could go that route, um, you know, with their first round pick. I think they could get a quality guy there that's going to lower their cap hit and pursue or allow them to pursue some other avenues to upgrade their team. So, um, you know, Matt Judon is a big name in his his own right. But when you combine that with the fact that Yannick Ngakwe is also a free agent, that only compounds the issue. Yeah, and Judon, if they tag him again, that's $20 million because it's a 25% bump over what he got last year uh, getting franchise tag the first time. And so all of a sudden – you're getting a $20 million cap hit on a pass rusher in a year where the salary cap might only be $180 million. I mean, that's a, that's a huge number. And when you're trying to work out an extension with Lamar Jackson possibly this summer, a lot to work, deal with. All right, let's move to the eventual Super Bowl winner of 2021-2022 season. Pittsburgh Steelers somehow lo- lower odds to win the AFC and the Super Bowl than the Browns, um, well behind the Ravens. So 13-1 to to win the AFC, 28-1 to to win the Super Bowl. And honestly – those sound a little bit low. Uh, I, the Steelers are in a bad way. There, there's an argument. If Zach Taylor wasn't the coach, like if the coach of the Bengals was Bruce Arians or who's even like a middle of the road? Literally coach? anyone more confident. Kevin Stefanski. 
Oh yeah, Kevin Spansky by sure. The 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 Steelers would be picked to finish last in this division. The only thing saving them is Zach Taylor. But the quarterback situation is clearly up in the air. They have a ton of free agents. They have no cap space. Negative fourteen million. I don't think that's good uh, in cap space. So it starts with Ben Roethlisberger. Jason Lockham Ford's been writing about this on CBS Sports about how it's sort of they're working through the media in terms of the Steelers want him to take a pay cut and Big Ben's like, oh, I'll take a pay cut, but they haven't come to a number. Uh, I think it's going to be a big number, and I think if you're the Steelers, you're just deciding, all right, do you want to roll with Mason Rudolph for a year, or do you want to suck it up for one more year with Big Ben when he has no one around him? So, Breach, I'll ask you what I asked Josh on the Monday podcast. Uh, as a Bengals fan, do you want to see Ben Roethlisberger return? Uh, if my other options are Dwayne Haskins or Mason <laughs> Rudolph, then I would rather see one of those two and have Big Ben retire now, if the Steelers can go out and make a move at quarterback, which I don't think they can afford to do, then I would rather see Ben. You know, like if it's trade for Deshaun Watson, which I do not think they're going to do, then I want to see Ben Roethlisberger. But, you know, like I've seen Mason Rudolph play, and I felt like, uh, you know, I, he's not taking the Steelers to the promised land. So I would, yeah, that's it. I, I would rank my options as Ben is the guy I don't want to see if my other choices are Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins. All right, let me ask you this. I'll ask Josh the same question. Rank the AFC North quarterbacks from best to worst. Uh, you know what? It's funny. Ike Taylor did an interview with TMZ and he's like, big Ben needs to just retire. Like, you know, and he went through all the AFC North quarterbacks and he said, I don't know how you rank him, but big Ben's definitely last. And so (laughs) that's it. Big Ben is definitely last. I think that you probably have Lamar Jackson, one Joe Burrow, two Baker Mayfield, three and Ben Roethlisberger, four. And I think that if you had a bunch of general managers who had to draft their starting quarterback out of the AFC North as some of them might even take Joe Burrow number one ahead of Lamar Jackson. So I would think uh, about it. Yeah. So I I do think that without a doubt, the one unanimous spot we would agree on is big Ben at fourth. I don't know if we'd agree on the other three spots, but big Ben being last, I think so. Josh, Josh, what are your four? So are we talking about this coming year or are we talking five to 10 years down the road? You have a game tomorrow. You can roll a game out there if you want to just, just 2021. Just 2021, I would still go. You know, I'd go Joe Burrow number one. Oh, I would take I would take that leap, and then I would go Lamar Jackson strictly 2021 at number two. Uh, Baker Mayfield three, and then whoever ends up taking snaps at quarterback for Pittsburgh fourth. Well, I will remind you as breach passive aggressively reminded me. Trent Dilfer compared Dwayne Haskins to Tom Brady coming out of the draft. So. I forgot about that. If that happens, you guys are in trouble, and I expect full. Wait, what's your ranking, Wilson? I think I have Joe Burrow. I think mine's the same as Josh's. Well, I'm I, the Bengals homer. Is the only guy I didn't have Joe Burrow. At one. I didn't want to come across as too much of a homer, but that's if where I could you redo do, the ranking. That's where you draw the line. Not Zach Taylor. You draw the line <laughs> at Joe Burrow being good. I so, so what's the threshold of when you start getting a little scared, Breach? When when you're talking about who the Steelers acquire at the quarterback position, is it? Is it like a Sam Darnold that's enough to push that over the edge, or do you feel like you're still not you're still not scared of Sam Darnold um, at the quarterback position? I think Sam Darnold's the upgrade over Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. I, I would be a little bit because the Steelers they just need a competent quarterback back there because there is, is Sam Darnold it though. I, their defense is good enough that they can deal with a few mistakes from the offense, I and mean, we saw it all season. Uh, the, the offense was not that great and still the defense kind of willed them to 11 and 0, willed them to the postseason. So if you just have a quarterback back there who can do anything and a little bit of a running game, you know, there's no reason this team can't win 10 or 12 games again. 
But I, I you know, I think right, Sam me, Darnold, I think Sam Darnold could get them to the playoffs. Let me throw some names out there at you and you guys tell me how worried you would be as Bengals and Browns fans respectively. What if they traded for Marcus Mariota? On a scale of one to ten. <clears throat> ten being the Steelers win nine more games, have a chance to go to the playoffs. I'd say a five. Six. All right. Jameis Winston. Four. Four. That's that's what that's what <laughs> I was gonna say. Worse? All right, what about this? This is what I'm I, I would actually I think I would like to see just for the sheer circus value. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Eight. <laughs> I love it. I'm so, more afraid of Brian Fitzpatrick than I am of Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> at this point in their career. I think I am too. So are you bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick to start all 16 games in oh, the yeah. postseason? Or are we talking like Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in week 13? Because then I'm terrified. <laughs> in, in, in a small sample size, Ryan Fitzpatrick is terrifying. But over the course of a season, I'm not as concerned. He's, the only He starts two of every three games. That'll be our plan. Yeah, so the only reason I mentioned Sam Darnold, other than I selfishly had him as the top quarterback uh, the year that he came out, which doesn't look that good right now. Um, but looking back on that, you know, I still see the talent that he possessed. And I think we kind of forget this Adam Gase bump that we've given to other players in the past, whether it was uh, Lamar Miller or Ryan Tannehill. You know, we've seen some of these players have success outside of his system. So, we talk about the lack of talent that's surrounding Sam Darnold in New York, but it's also the coaching. He's had to overcome a little bit of that as well. So that's why I'm still not giving up on Sam Darnold just yet. I would be fine. Like I would trade as a Steelers fan a second round pick for Sam Darnold. I'd be willing to kick. The would you rather have Darnold or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'd rather sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to a one year, 10, 12, whatever million dollar deal. Because the one thing I'll say about Fitzpatrick is he's never gotten to play for a good team. So I, I don't think we know, like, not, he's not a great quarterback. We all agree on that, but he's never got a chance to prove. He's not we, terrible. We see all these flashes of success, but he's never, it, it's not sustainable because he's always on a bad team and bad teams eventually end up bad. I mean, this Dolphins team in 2020 was one of the best teams that he's played for. I mean, he played for like the, the early 2010s Bills. He spent two seasons with the Bengals when they were, uh, you know, bad under Marvin Lewis, started his career with the Rams. Uh, then obviously it was Jameis Winston's backup. In Tampa, when that team wasn't very good, so he's just never been like the Steelers. Signing with the Steelers would be a complete change of pace for him. I think he could actually do well in Pittsburgh. All right, let me ask you this: Let me ask you this: Who would you rather have on a two-year, let's say, thirty million dollar deal, fifteen million a year for you pick the quarterback? You can have Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, Mitchell Trubisky, or Jacoby Brissett. Which one gives the Steelers the best chance to win the most games? I still say Sam Darnold, and that's why I included him as as a reasonable option because you do still have two years of cap control with him before you worry about having to give him one of those big numbers. We talked about Pittsburgh's cap situation already. I think that's one reason why maybe he's he's at least reasonable at this stage of his career. You see right. that, Josh, just changing the terms of your question. Mm-hmm. Ryan said you have to have a two-year, $30 million contract. Josh, we're not going with rookie contract. If it's rookie contracts, we're using current contracts. The answer is definitely Sam Darnold. I 100% agree with Josh. But if they're all, if, if they're all if even. All things it. equal. See, I would still 30. take I would still take Sam Darnold in that situation. I was just making my point in case I didn't get the ball back. You know, I, I wanted to make my point and get that out there at least. Uh, rookie contracts, I'm taking uh, cr- contracts as is. I'm taking Darnold. If ever, all things are even, two year, thirty million dollar. I'm taking Fitzpatrick. But I will say, wow. Wilson, how do you think the Roethlisberger situation is going to play out? Because it feels like 
the Steelers have decided, hey, look, his salary is 19 million, and we'd rather have that cap space than have him on the team. I think that's right. I think they're going to have to eat the 24 million because I think he's going to be, um, he's going to pull a, a breach passive aggressive about it, and he's going to be a jerk when he finds out either they're going to lowball him and offer him, you know, a Dwayne Haskins deal, $984,000 or whatever the better minimum is. <laughs> or not giving him what he wants. And I'm sure, in his defense, he's done a lot for this organization over the last 20 years. Troy Palomalu, who is the nicest person on the planet, was very angry about how things ended in Pittsburgh because he thought he could still play and they wanted him to retire. Heinz Ward, the same thing. So I'm fine moving on from Big Ben just because we can drag this out another year, but why? what are we doing it for? That's one year we're now further behind every other team in that division, who is all of whom are getting younger and better. And you have a 39-year-old quarterback who... I don't think can beat anybody in a foot race. And that includes uh, people, you know, who are in wheelchairs because they played football for 50 years. So I, I don't know the upside to bringing him back is, is where I'm getting at. Do you roll with Mason Rudolph? Um, in my latest mock draft, thanks for asking, John, I actually had him trading up to 13 to take Mac Jones. Like Ooh. I would, I would be fine with that. But the issue is, and, and Josh has talked about this, about why Mac Jones is his number five quarterback. Uh, that offensive line is straight up dog doo doo. So you can bring Mac Jones out there if you want to, but Mac Jones isn't playing behind the offensive line yet at Alabama, and there are going to be some concerns there. Now they can move some things around and duct tape some things together, even with the loss of Villanueva and, and Matt Filer is going to be a free agent. But at the end of the day, you're going up against guys, first, second, third round picks, all of who are really good at their jobs, and there are going to be some issues with whoever the quarterback is taking a lot of hits. So that's also something that you have to keep in mind. Yeah, and, and Mac Jones is interesting, and I think that the, the reason I always hesitate with any quarterback from Alabama, whether it is uh, Tua, I had a front row seat to A.J. McCarron. Brody Croyle. Whoever it is, I, I feel like it's unknowable how they're going to play in the NFL because when you're at Alabama, you're on a team that has so much more talent than everyone else. And so when you're in the NFL, you're on teams that are pretty much even talent-wise and so it's hard to figure out how a quarterback is going to react when, hey, look, uh, our receivers are wide open in college because they're so much more athletic than every cornerback they're facing. All of a sudden, they're not wide open, or your offensive line is running everybody over in college. All of a sudden, you're getting pass rushed a lot more, a thousand times more than you were used to when you once you get to the NFL. So uh, I feel like Mac Jones could be a risky pick. I know you love him, Ryan, but. So uh, let me ask you this, Josh. When we talked about Mason Rudolph. We didn't even discuss Dwayne Haskins. Huh? What are the chances Dwayne Haskins could have anything resembling success in, in, on that one-year deal he signed? Very slim because I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think anybody makes that much of that much improvement uh, from a professional and a personal development standpoint in one year um, to have the kind of success and to show the kind of uh, progression that he would need to show to earn, you know, a long-term spot somewhere in this league. So I'm not giving up on Dwayne Haskins. He's he's still young, but he's got a lot of learning to do, both uh, professionally and from a personal development standpoint. So until he does that, it's going to be hard for him to find a stable situation. That's a good point. I, I mean, I'm all for second, third, and fourth chances. I don't care about – I mean, that, that's – everyone deserves second chances. But it's not often you see the case where someone's learned from something, especially as someone in their early 20s who has a ton of money and – um, everything was going their way, and then they hit some bumps on the road. I get that. So that's a good point. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's certainly better to go to the Steelers and Mike Tomlin than 
you know, a team, uh, Adam Gase and the Jets, for example, to, to hopefully try to save your career, which brings us back to Sam Darnold, which I would certainly be on board with. I'll ask you this and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Josh, uh, at 24, should the Steelers target an offensive lineman, an edge rusher, or trade it for, for my quarterback? Well, I think cornerback is an issue too. I mean, that's the, when I look at the free agents that are going to become available, there's so many key contributors, whether it's Bud Dupree. I mean, Tyson Alu Alu had a good year for Pittsburgh this Great past year. year. Um, you know, Mike Hilton, good player. Cameron Sutton's a role player. Uh, you got to figure out the Joe Hayden situation. So, I mean, there's a Robert Spillane who stepped in when Devin Bush went down with an injury. You've got a lot of, a lot of positions that you have to address on that side of the ball. So, um, I would probably, if I were to pick one right now, I would probably say offensive tackle. Um, I would also give consideration to a cornerback and I wouldn't do this personally, but I also wonder if maybe an upgraded running back is in the cards. I would be, have no issue with Najee Harris at 24. But again, you're asking the running back to do everything when the offensive line isn't there. So, well, that's funny that you said that, Ryan. Let me ask you a question: Out of uh, Bud Dupree, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Conner, do any of those guys return to Pittsburgh in 2021? Um, Kevin Colbert, the GM, had talk was asked about Bud Dupree. He wants to bring him back, but he doesn't know if he can afford him. He had the ACL injury, but he'll. You were at a point where ACL injuries, you come back from them and you play at a high level. I love Bud Dupree. And I know that uh, Josh likes Bud Dupree, too, because of Kentucky ties. It took him a year, two, two and a half, three years to actually figure out what he was doing, and then he was just wrecking people. And Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt makes me think back to Lamar Woodley and James Harrison in terms of having two guys you cannot block and creating all sorts of issues up front. I would love to have him back, but when you're negative $14 million under the salary cap, that's an issue. And as you just pointed out about um, Matt Judon, they've already franchised Bud Dupree once. You're going to franchise him again? So, I mean, they have a lot of things to worry about. And that brings us back to Ben Roethlisberger, just blowing the whole thing up and starting over again and, and trying to get right with the salary cap because, I mean, I mean, you can't do anything. Like, you're in a situation where you're losing your best players, your quarterback is terrible, and there aren't a lot of options because you've tied your hands together trying to, to pay all these guys previously. So I'm fine letting Juju Smith-Schuster walk. Um I think he proved he wasn't a number one once Antonio Brown left, and that's no disrespect to him. He's a really good player, but I don't think he's a guy that you pay uh, 18, 19, $20 million a year to. But there are a bunch of other guys you could try to sign. I just don't know if they have the money to do it. So Pittsburgh Steelers, worst team in the division. There you go. Uh, what a John, good way to end the podcast. After a tough 2020, John, your 2021 is coming together quite nicely. Yes. All right, that's it, Josh. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad we could talk about your front-running Browns. Also a phrase I never thought I'd have to say. Uh, Breach, we'll talk soon. And who knows? Maybe Will Brenton will be back some point this week.